Thank you for joining us here today at Calvary Church, where we are committed to loving God and loving people. If you have any questions or want to learn more about who we are, visit us online at calvary.ca. Now let's check out this week's message. Hello, my name is Vince. I'm one of the pastors here. Welcome to week two of the Church on Purpose series. Uh, Hope you enjoy uh, the whole series, but get something out of today. Where's all my introverts at? Introverts, put your hands up. That's a trick question, introverts. You know that introverts, a true introvert, introvert wouldn't put their hand up to something like that. You wouldn't even be tricked by such a thing. The first rule of introvert club is that introverts don't join clubs. And many of us know someone who kind of identifies in that vein. Maybe you yourself identify in that kind of vein. And so we're going to take a a dive today, coming around the long way on small groups and church living on purpose. How many introverts does it take to change a light bulb? The answer is one. And if they need help, uh, they won't get it, and it'll still be one. Two introverts walk into a room, one leaves. All of these things where you're thinking, someone's coming to mind. Someone's coming to mind. Maybe it's yourself. And so today, I wanted to take uh, this this, uh, next 30 minutes to talk about and weave you through a bit of a journey on the origins of introvert-extrovert. What does God say about it? What is something that we can do about those conclusions and some opportunities available for you. Now, in the 1920s, a psychiatrist, psychoanalyst, Carl Jung, wrote in his book of psychological traits these two things, introvert and extrovert. The premise being that introverts draw energy from alone time and the extrovert would draw energy from being in, in, in social, in these out external connections, the extrovert, the introvert. There's a challenge, there's an interesting part that never really gets talked about within that. Identifying as an introvert or identifying as an extrovert has uh, some challenges that come along with it. I was reading this article, and I'll pull it up on the screen for you, from a psychology magazine. And it says this, a person who conceptualizes themselves as introverted may have difficulty recognizing or remembering their own extroverted behavior. Or they may avoid potentially stressful social situations and come to live in an increasingly insular world that sometimes we can glom onto these phrases, and uh, I thought it would be interesting to let you know where they came from, and that it's not the only thing that psychiatrist Carl Jung had to say about the subject, but it's one that society has glommed onto, and in many ways, I believe we've adopted a lie. We've, uh, some people capture it, I'm an introvert, I'm an extrovert, this is what I am, I am what I am, I can't help what I am, I'm just introverted. I'm just extroverted. The interesting thing that Jung said, 
And I'm going to read through a, a, a little snippet here from his book. The contrast between introversion and extroversion is simple enough. But simple, mal, um, but simple formations are unfortunately the most open to doubt. They are too, eas they too easily cover up the actual complexities and so deceive us. I speak here from my own experience, for scarcely had I published the first formulation of my criteria when I discovered, to my dismay, that somehow or other I had been taken in by them. I started, I started to just see it as only one thing. The guy who created it starting to question himself. Something was amiss, Jung writes. I had to explain too much in too simple a way, as often happens, in the first joy of, disco of discovery. What struck me now was the undeniable fact, while people may be classed as introverts or extroverts, that does not account for the tremendous differences between individuals in either class. So great indeed are these differences that I was forced to doubt whether I had observed it correctly in the first place. It took 10 years of observations and comparison to clear up this doubt. Jung goes on to say, the most numerous and includes the less different, differentiated normal man. He constitutes the extensive middlevert. This middle group that Jung talked about has been coined the ambivert. And it's not something that ever really gets talked about. That this extrovert on one side, introvert on the other, that someone can identify with it so much, but even Jung, the guy who created all of this, says it's not, it's, it's so extreme. In fact, the overwhelming, extensive, large group is the middle group, the ambivert, the person who enjoys and needs some alone time, the person who needs some group time. Now, in going through uh, these, these things where a, a person can kind of glom onto something and believe it so, with such depth that it builds their identity. I'm, there's an introvert, I'm, and I don't like hanging around people because they drive me crazy. I think I'm an introvert. I'm introverted. I, in fact, I don't like people at all. I don't get energy from, from people. Uh, uh, people drain energy from me. I would sooner spend my time with uh, DoorDash and Netflix and building an identity on introversion. The, the scripture uh, would say it this way, for a man thinks in his heart, and so he is. Proverbs 23 and 7. We go through this landscape of believing something so much that we act on it without even knowing where it comes from. Now, I wanted to take this little side journey on what is God's thoughts on solitude. We'll play a little game for everyone at home. Uh, maybe there's people with you in the, in the room. Maybe not. This little game is called, well, that's not good. And perhaps you have your own little stories where you go, well, that's not good. So God had created man there in the garden. And God could see man wasn't living to his potential. And he says, I'm going to point to you and you say it. Well, that's not good. That's what God says. 
in Genesis 2:38. It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, this isn't about a spouse. This isn't about single living. This isn't about being married. This is about solitude. God looked down at his work and says, well, that's not good. Very rarely does this come out of God's mouth in that, in, in that regard. Well, well, that's not good. Well, that's not good. This is a picture of uh, my small group, one of my small groups, and not everybody's in the picture, but you can see this group. We're at night shift, and we go to night shift first Tuesday every month, and we feed our street friends in, in, in the Wally area, and we'll prepare. There's a team uh, that prepares, a, a team of people on Tuesday, uh, first Tuesday mornings to prepare food. We pre prepare food for like 100, 120 people, and on a, a few occasions, more than that will come. And when you have invited mobs of hungry street folks and you don't have enough food, I point to you and you say your words, well, that's not good. I've invited you to come for a meal and I don't have something for you. Well, th well, well, well that's not good. I've camped a lot of this last summer and at some point, I accumulated too much grease in my barbecue, and my barbecue is physically, it's attached to the side of my trailer. And so we got cooking something up. Barbecue's carrying on. Here's a picture of us just kind of hanging around at the campsite. And as I'm preparing something, I'm like, that's not like barbecue fire. That's like fire fire. There's a grease fire in my barbecue that's physically attached to my trailer. The flames are licking up, and immediately I felt, you insert the phrase, well, <laughs> that's not good. And so I did what you know you're not supposed to do. It's just like, throw some water on it, and it flame shot up, and we blew it out. <laughs> that was weird. And after those feelings came down, immediately, you're just like, that's not good. That's not good. You know those feelings of the times when you've said, well, that's not good. A situation pops up, you go, that's not good. I had the chance this, this summer, I, I saw a sign. It was an invitation to join an indigenous powwow. I'm like, well, I've not done that before. Let's, let's go do that. Went, went, went down to where it was being held in the longhouse. And it was a guy's birthday. His name was Red Hawk. It's Red Hawk's birthday. And they said, we're going to do this traditional, uh, we're going to, uh, dance. Hey, why don't you come join us? And they point down to my table. Hey, why don't you, why don't you come join us? And you know exactly the feeling that I had. <laughs> well, that's not good because I got two sides here where I don't want to be disrespectful as a guest in someone's place. And I also don't want to uh, horribly embarrass myself. And I just immediately, I'm like, <laughs> Well, that's not good. Here's a picture of me dancing in a powwow. You come across these things in life where you, you, you know you have this sinking feeling about something. Well, that's not good. Well, that's not good. God sees Adam in solitude and alone and says, well, that's not good. It's the same for you 
in some of your situations. You see, God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing. Psalm 68.6. Where I get into the situation and I know that's not good. This is the situation that God finds himself. So he creates a helpmeet, Eve, to be with Adam. Now, again, this isn't about solely marriage. This is about community and developing community. You've had those times. We've all had those times. So I've got what the world says, what Carl Jung has said. Oh, you're an introvert or you're an extrovert. I've got what God says, which (laughs) this isn't good for man to be alone. And I'm torn when I don't have the right paradigm, the right thinking about the whole thing. Because in all my ventures, I'm trying to strive to more. What, what does God have for me? What does God have for me? You see, when we see alone in the scripture, sometimes people will say, well, Jesus was alone. Jesus went away to be alone. And sure enough, Mark 135, rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Jesus being alone. Luke 5, 16, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Matthew 26 and 36, 39, 42, 44, height, height. Jesus went alone to pray. When we see the example that Jesus is putting out for us, solitude is a time that he spent with the Father to recharge because the world wasn't about what Jesus wanted to to do. Kick back in the... Did he just want to kick back in, in the house every once in a while, have some fish and chips and... Watch some, some old-timey Netflix. Jesus' alone times are recharge times with the Father because there's work to do. And so I have to choose, does God have an intention regarding aloneness? And if he does, how does he outline it? Well, he's clearly outlined it in Genesis. It's not good for you to be alone. It's not good for you to be alone. The premise that God has these original intentions we see uh, portrayed beautifully inside of the Gospels. Particularly, uh, I'm taking a peek at the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 all the way through Matthew 7. You see, there's a, a culture position, and then sometimes there's a God position that doesn't line up. And so he he says something like this in the gospel on the subject of murder. You have heard it said long ago, you shall not murder. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister is subject to judgment. So culture, I believe something, don't murder. Jesus is ramping it up, said actually my intention for you was not just don't murder. I don't even want you being angry. How about oaths? Well, I, I, I swear on my grandfather's grave. 
the scripture that he uses is that I, I don't swear by Jerusalem. He, he says, you've heard it said these things, but I'm telling you, just let your yes be yes and your no be no. So this contrast, comparison, you've heard this, but I'm telling you, Jesus' word, God's intent for you, doesn't always line up with the popular culture. So here we have it. Carl Jung, 19, in the 1920s, says, introvert, extrovert. He goes on to say, there's the overwhelming bulk of you that are ambivert, but society grabs onto, you're an introvert, you're an extrovert. I'm an introvert. I just, you know, I keep to myself, and I, I'm, I'm alone. If Jesus was doing a Sermon on the Mount for that, he would say, you've heard it said. Chill. DoorDash and Netflix. But I'm telling you, I've got life for you. I've got abundance for you. I've got community for you. I've got relationship for you. You have heard it said this, but I'm telling you something uh, much different. You've heard it said, love your, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. People can be difficult. So what do we do? You've heard it said this, but I'm telling you this. And so, as a believer, I'm confronted with the Jesus story, the life, the abundance that Christ has for me. You've heard it said this, but I'm telling you this. Now, regarding community and all of these, uh, on almost all of these subjects, so Jesus uh, says this particular type of phrasing twice. We see it here in Matthew and another part where he's addressing um, uh, how to, you know, dealing with uh, sin in the church. But on this one, he's talking about, about lust. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Luke 5, oh, sorry, Matthew 5, 29 to 30. Now, does Jesus want you to just be plucking out your eyes and cutting off your hands? No, because most every person in here would be one-eyed and, and missing a hand. This key in Scripture is a beautiful principle. Uh, if you're going to write down one thing today, write this down. If you're going to etch one thing into your memory, etch this in. Why of all things did Jesus say, your eye and your hand? If your eye causes you to sin, if your eye causes you to not be, have what God intended for you, 
you got you to gotta change that up. You got to see it different. If the way you do things, your hand, causes you to move away from what God intended for you, we need to, to change that up. You see, the eye is this e equivalency for the way you see things. If the way you see things causes you to not have what God intends for you in your life, we need to see some things different. If the way I do things causes me to not have what God has for me, I need to do some things different. I need to change my way of seeing. I need to change my way of doing. Change it up. See it differently. Do it differently to walk into what God has intended for me. Does God have intended for me introversion and aloneness? Is that what God's intent is? Is that God's intent for you? No. Clearly, no. I can tell you whose intent it is to pull you out, pull you away, and isolate you from the herd. You see, the devil moves around like a roaring lion. The thief comes to steal, to kill, destroy. Jesus says, I have come that you would have life, and you would have it abundantly, that there would be more, a, a bigger, better, above, beyond, abundant life. And I guarantee you, you will not find it on Instagram, I guarantee you, you will not find it in the Netflix catalog. I guarantee you, you will not find it holed up at home waiting for Jesus to come back. That's not the life he has for you. What is God's intent for you? If your eye causes you to sin, we need to change that up. If your eye causes you to have not what God intended for you, you need to change it up. If the way I see things, if the way I, I do things, I've been hurt. People have, have done this. I, I don't want to spend time with people. You don't know what's happened. I, I, I don't know, and I, I, I empathize. We've all, we've all got, you know, jabbed every once in a while. It's not enough to say this has happened. I'm never moving forward. I'm, I'm going to hole up and be done with it. The Lord has so much more for you, which brings me into this final, this final piece. So where does the church fit into that? What, is, what, what does this place have for you to help? In that picture while we were camping, I was off in a chair, and I was reading Mary Kay, her, her biography from Mary Kay Cosmetics. Mary Kay was a fantastic direct sales business lady, built an empire on makeup and empowering a largely uh, women workforce that revolutionized the makeup industry. And she was a believer. She says this, if you're having a terrible day, you need a small group. If you're having a great day, a small group needs you. Here's a challenge to your thinking. When things are happening, instead of framing stuff in a me and my paradigm, 
Let's flip that around to what you're to put into something. So, as an example, we have, we have barbecues, uh, we have things happening at the church. There are small groups that meet. In fact, uh, for you online folks, you can uh, connect with me uh, or head through the church app to sort through uh, small groups that are happening, ways of in and connecting. Uh, we have our Next Steps classes. We have our Big Wednesdays. It's a fantastic opportunity to build community, connect. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If, if either of them falls down, one can help the other. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10. Connecting in community, connecting in relationship, finding people to gel with, people to go uh, around for a coffee. If you, you say, like, I'm busy, I've got kids. No problem. Get together with other people who have kids. Let them play while you connect with a parent. You're like, I don't have kids. No problem. Get together with people who don't have kids. I'm, I'm busy in the week. No problem. We've got weekends. I can't get out in the evening. No problem. We've got daytime groups. What if there's a, not a group? You make one. I have to change the way I see things. I have to change the way I do things, or I'm going to get more of the same. I have to choose, do I want seclusion, do I want community? One, I believe God has intent for you, and one, I believe the devil has intent for you. The choice on how to do it, and it's a struggle. I'm telling you, connecting with people is going to cost you something. It's going to cost you emotions. Sometimes people do crazy junk. Sometimes people say terrible things. But the bulk of the time, they're building. They're building you. You're building them. Iron sharpening iron. It's going to cost you money. Offer someone. Hey, what, what do you got going on afterwards? Can I take you for a coffee? Hey, I, I put an extra couple pieces of chicken in the pot. You want to come over after service? Hey, what's happening? It's going to cost you. You're like, well, I don't have money. It's going to cost you then time or time and money and emotion. It's going to cost you something, but the reward is worth it. Following in what I believe is what God has for you is so worth it. Joining a book club, joining a badminton group, going frisbee golfing with people. Getting together for a walk. You're like, I, I don't have time. I don't, I don't have money for, for something. I invite you. Steal a tea bag from the church lobby and go home, make a pot of tea, and invite somebody to drink it. It'll all work out in the wash somewhere. Either I change the way I do things, or I live in a way with qualities that aren't what God has intended for me. Change my eye. Change my hand. We're not hiding, waiting for Jesus to come back. We are following God's good plan for us to come out, to be different, do something different, connect with people. I energize in my solitude with the Father. I take that, and I go and change a world. Let me pray for you. 
Jesus, I thank you for all my friends out there. Lord, you know each one who's going through their varying thing. And Lord, you have compassion on us. You have love for us. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And it's that dialectic, Lord, where you love us right where you're at and that you have more for us as well. Lord Jesus, fill each of my friends with a, with a new hunger, a new desire to press into community. Lord, whatever stumbling things are in the way that are slowing down the process, we ask that those would be removed in Jesus' name. Lord, you would help people see answers instead of challenges. Lord, and we just come to you asking once again to take us to our next step. Help propel us forward in the life, the abundant life and community you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, please, yeah, check in online. Or if you're curious about uh, small group opportunities, head to info at calvary.ca and drop an email there, and we'll help you get connected through. Lord bless you.